Cineo Health Podcast listeners, we will soon be kicking off a series of episodes focused on Asia Pacific, featuring interviews with experts based in the region. Robbie Chana will be hosting those episodes. So keep your ear or eye out for our APAC edition of Cineo's Health Podcast coming soon. Today on the Cineo's Health Podcast, we'll be talking about clinical trials in the Asia Pacific region. I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineo's Health Consulting. I'll be joined today by Robbie Chana. Robbie leads business development for Cineo's Health in the Asia Pacific region for late stage clinical trials. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Clinical trials in the Asia Pacific region next on the Cineo's Health Podcast. I'm joined today on the Cineos Health Podcast by Robbie Chana. I'm talking with Robbie while he attends DIA Singapore, so there may be some background noise. Robbie Chana is the Vice President of Business Development for our clinical services in Asia. You're based in Singapore. In Singapore, yes. In Singapore. You work with clinical trials in China and other countries in the Far East. Yeah, actually, it's the whole region. So India, China, Japan, Korea, Australia. So small. <laughs> Very large area. Yeah, covering six time zones. So yeah, yeah, and more than half the people in the world, too. Two-thirds of the people in the world. <laughs> Way more than half the people. So many people that listen to this are in the U.S. Not everybody, obviously. We have people that are listening mm-hmm. worldwide. But if people on the U.S. are running clinical trials and thinking about clinical trials for the FDA, they know what that means. Let's talk about what it means if you're running clinical trials in Asia Pacific and then talk about why a lot of these companies might possibly want to come to the U.S. One of the things that we talked about earlier was that Chinese companies want to come to the U.S. but maybe need help doing it. Yeah, so uh, countries across Asia are developing their drugs, their assets. They've got a lot of investment coming into the region Mm -hmm. to help them commercialize their assets. The thing that I think is lacking is the ability to know how to run trials, how to commercialize, because they're still learning. You know, mm-hmm. North America, Europe, these are very mature markets in pharmaceuticals. And across Asia, they're not quite there yet. And so the developing countries are really important in terms of acquiring assets, learning how to run trials, finding sites, recruiting patients. Access to patients is obviously huge across the region, but it's knowing how to work with the sites, leveraging the experiences across the US and Europe, and to work with cultural differences across regions as well. So if I'm thinking back, the start of my career was in the 1980s, early 90s, and I lived in the Pacific Northwest. There were a lot of companies that were in Seattle that were starting up, and some of them became successful, some of them failed (laughs) and didn't become so successful. But there was a little bit of naivete about how to get something commercialized. There was also naivete about how the FDA works, I noticed, around the region. But how to commercialize was very, very far from people's experience. Mm -hmm. Is that the same experience that we're having in China as an example? I think so, to a certain extent. The knowledge of knowing how to commercialize is still developing. The other challenges are around the industry regulations across the regions. Across Asia, China, for example, in the past year has changed policy multiple times. And so keeping abreast of those regulatory changes is obviously quite important as well. Is there a particular regulatory change that has really been driving how you guys think about the market or how has been a real problem? I wouldn't say there's been a real problem per se. I think it's been the fact that policy is always reviewed and regularly updated. So to keep abreast of clinical development 
companies and countries have to be really clear about what their regulatory pathway is going to be. One of the things that I'd heard before, so you can stop me if, <laughs> if I'm wrong, is that at least as of, I would have said, two years ago, Chinese companies required first trials to be done in China before you would be anything but a generic. And I don't know if that's true and just a rumor that I heard at bio or whether or not that's changed, because I think the expectation from the different companies I was meeting with was that was going to change. It still is changing. And governments, China in particular, you know, they're quite interested in not just producing generic drugs. There's a novel drug development as well. So there's a lot of incentives for innovation and new medicines to be developed. Mm. The other place that is in your region mm -hmm. and is interesting is Australia. I understand Australia has fantastic tax credits for R&D. Is that something that really benefits when you're trying to run clinical trials? Absolutely. That's that's huge. And the benefits, you know, are upwards from 40% is returned in tax credits if you're running trials in Australia. The policies allow companies to establish themselves quite well in Australia. You know, there's uh, fast startup times. And so it's a very favorable market to run trials there. Do you run out of patients? There obviously is a population of 20 million people uh, mm -hmm. in Australia. So getting access to patients is a bit of a challenge. However, Australia is quite well known for doing early phase studies as well. So where you have healthy volunteer populations. So um, that hasn't been a problem. The trials in Australia in particular are phase one trials where you really are that early stage. Or do you see phase two trials also being run in Australia for um, the world market? Yeah, so Australia is running all trials. Obviously, there's a dominance in early phase, phase one, and early phase two studies. But they're able to run the full gamut of clinical development as well. What would somebody that knows the U.S. market at least reasonably well or passingly well on how clinical trials work, somebody that works in the U.S. in the industry, be surprised about how clinical trials are run or barriers you might find in China or some of the other countries that are under your purview? Yeah, I think some of the challenges are, you know, relating to the point earlier that the governments are pushing for innovation, drug development. There's a clear learning curve that needs to go on. So North American companies who may think running trials is fairly routine for them. Mm -hmm. A lot of the companies that are running trials, people skills still have to be developed. So people are constantly learning. There's a lot of people who are coming back into the region as well who have had either education or work experiences in North America, Europe, and they're coming back into China, for example, and being sort of heads of clinical development. So these are some of the sort of learning and development challenges just on the people side. One of the ways that we think about China as a market from the commercial side of the business is to think of much of it as being low price, low cost, low reimbursement, and very difficult to make money on with uh, many of the products that are made in the U.S. But including something like Manhattan, where they just have incredible wealth concentrated in a few. You can get high prices. They might even fly to Japan to get the drug um, in those cases for like oncology products. Is there some kind of have, have not thing going on with the clinical side of the business too, where you have some sites that are just fantastic and other places really not sites that you can really use for clinical trials? You mean challenges of finding sites in the yeah. region? Yeah, they've got to be very concentrated, mm -hmm. the best sites. I, at least my expectation, I have not been to China, yeah. so I may be something that is yeah, I mean, there, completely there's, wrong. There's, there's hubs, you know, Shanghai, Beijing, yeah. mega cities. Yeah. They have a concentration of sites. Pharma biotech companies are very reliant on companies such as ourselves to help them find those sites as mm. well and train them and help them scale up. Yeah, but they've got to be extremely concentrated as opposed to just across the countryside 
or am I not understanding how they're, trans they're, market works? They're, they're in hubs. So they're in hubs. hubs. Do you think of it like Canada? <laughs> Canada is very large, but there are a few large cities where most of the business is done. Does it yeah. feel like that? You know, the other thing is the demographic of where people are living as well. So people live in big cities. Mm. Now they're moving out of rural areas and into cities where there's access to hospitals and other infrastructure. And so naturally, that's where you're going to get your patients as well. So thinking about China, not just as a place to make drugs and where we recruit for clinical trials, is it a market for us? I mean, how should we think about it? As I kind of suggested, from the commercial side of the business, we think of it a lot of times as being a lot of market that we can't really approach and a few concentrated places that are very accepting or where you can make money off of some of the kinds of drugs that the United States builds on the novel drug side of the business. Yeah, I think it's really important that a country like China is... Um a diverse disease population. There's patients who need access to medicines. And so I think as a destination for running trials and giving patients an option in terms of medicines that they can be using, I think that's really important. And I think pharma companies, biotech companies should look at a country like China to develop their assets. So I've got a final question. What's one thing that as you've now lived in, worked in with clinical trials in that region, that you found that is surprising to you, that you didn't know, but it turns out to be really important? Yeah, I think that having been in clinical development for most of my career, it's very easy to understand how drug development works. So I think I probably underestimated just the lack of knowledge across the region in terms of how to conduct clinical research and what goes on. Because they do great chemistry, right? Absolutely. Medicinal chemists are in abundance in China. So technical skills are definitely there, but it's now as a destination to run, develop compounds. It's how do you harness that technical knowledge into an operational capability to launch an asset. Well, Robbie Chana, thanks so much for joining me on the Cineos Health Podcast. Thank you very much. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have comments, suggestions, questions, or if you just want to talk through a particular challenge that you're having at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at Where consultants, that's what we do.